Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. What's coming? Purdy, lofting, going deep, has McCaffrey, he's got it! Touchdown, San Francisco! Second and goal. A juggle of the snap, Hurts found it, and there's the end zone ahead for another Philadelphia touchdown. What a machine. What a machine this Eagles offense is. Easy pass, easy finish. You saw the double team there with Brooke Lopez coming over with Drew Holiday. Yeah, another yeah. turnover. That's part of the respect, right, that Josh Oppenheimer was saying you got to give McConnell and another three-point make. Live ball to center. Carlson going back to the wild, and he won't get it. McCarthy's home. Here comes Canzone. Corbin Carroll with a two-run triple. The kid has done it again. More birthday presents for the skipper. Double play ball. Ahmed. Marte. Ball game. They got it. They trailed all night long. one nothing. But they get three in the eighth and Ginkle slams the door in the ninth. And the five-game losing streak is toast. Late switch by Herbert. Out of the pocket, two receivers this side. Williams, feet down. Touchdown, Mike Williams. Can Michigan pay it off? J.J. McCarthy, he'll run it with a lead. Touchdown, Wolverine. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUS AM 1060. And welcome to the Wednesday, July 26th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, the NFC, excuse me, the NFC, who should be favored, the Eagles or 49ers? The Suns, should they try to acquire T.J. McConnell? The Diamondbacks was last night a jumpstart win. The uh, next up would be uh, the Chargers. Will they reach the postseason in 2023 with a now well-paid Justin Herbert? Michigan football, does it matter if Jim Harbaugh misses the first four games? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction to today's pipeline. 9-15, the first of our 32-team previews of the NFL season with the 49ers. And that means longtime Sports Zone guest Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area. 9-30 or so, it'll be interactive action, 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup, that will include... Uh, some Diamondbacks and Cardinals from last night. And then the final segment of the sports, that'll be the National Roundup. That'll be topped from the MLB scoreboard. Hey, the Reds actually beat the Brewers for one night. How about that? Then after the sports zone from uh, 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That'll include more phone call time. 
And on to the pipeline right now we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, who's your selection to win the NFC if Brock Purdy is healthy the entire season? And we're giving you two choices here, Philadelphia or San Francisco. And Kayla is here, and he, she has the early returns. Right now, San Francisco out in front at 60% of the vote, Philadelphia trailing at 40%. Purdy, of course, the Valley High School product is coming off off-season elbow surgery. He's been cleared to do everything, uh, and uh, you know, that to start training camp practice, we'll get more into that. What does that exactly mean? Uh, we'll get into that with uh, Matt in the next segment. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, should the Suns try to acquire point guard TJ McConnell? And once again, Kayla has the early returns. Yes, leading the way here at 85.7% of the vote. No trailing at 14.3%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. The Suns have reportedly once again targeted the former U of A point guard as a potential trade candidate. That according to a Tuesday report from league insider Mark Stein. Meanwhile, uh, also on the local front, the Diamondbacks, uh, they uh, ended the uh, losing streak last night. After being shut out for seven innings, Cattell Marte, Jake McCarthy, and pinch hitter Corbin Carroll delivered the uh, the hits in the eventual Diamondbacks 3-1 victor over the Cardinals. So, uh, question is, uh, was this a jump start win for the Diamondbacks? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Chargers paid Justin Herbert, who threatened to be a training camp hold-in uh, before agreeing on Tuesday to a record $262.5 million five-year deal with no trade clause. All that according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Will the Chargers reach the playoffs in 2023 with uh, the now well-paid uh, one uh, Justin Herbert? Meanwhile, Michigan uh, coach Jim Harbaugh reportedly facing a suspension to begin the season. The NCAA says Harbaugh lied to NCAA investigators regarding alleged recruiting violations during the COVID period. That's considered a level one violation. Michigan's first four games are all in Ann Arbor, and they're against the murderer's row of East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. Does Michigan's Jim Harbaugh missing the first four games this season, if that's the penalty, which I don't think is quite official yet, but that's what it was reported yesterday. Anyway, if he does miss the first four games, does that mean anything? And then, uh, also, in addition to all these excellent uh, questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We get to all these tremendous topics and much more to today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So, whether it is from the pipeline, or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060. Or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this.
Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That will be followed by the first of our 32 NFL team previews with the 49ers. Matt Mayoko from NBC Sports Bay Area is scheduled to join us in the next segment. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, to be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, the local roundup uh, at the bottom of the hour, topped by the Diamondbacks rally in the uh, eighth inning last night. Uh, to avoid another embarrassing loss to the St. Louis Cardinals. And you think the Diamondbacks might have a few issues. The Cardinals are just plain bad. Uh, but they're going to be a different group of bad players by the trade deadline next Tuesday, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but, uh, whew, they're not good. Uh, you're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HG2 100.7. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. You're home of the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The 49ers' uh, 2022 season ended in Philadelphia when uh, Brock Purdy went down with a elbow injury. Uh, to begin our 32-team previews of the NFL season, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by our longtime 49ers guest, Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Barrier. And Matt, always good to have you. And uh, plenty of news on Tuesday uh, announced that Brock Purdy... Yeah cleared and uh, ready to return from the elbow injury, but not all the way back, according to John Lynch. So what does this exactly mean? Well, if, if Bob, thanks for having me. And did you say we're kicking off the coverage? So am I the very this is first it. victim? Okay. No. All right. I'm <laughs> okay. Victim is a keyword. <laughs> yeah, pressure's on to deliver the good. Um, yes. So what does it mean? It means that Brock Purdy is going to be the starter when the Purdy's open the regular season. And that was something that certainly was called into question or maybe even doubt when he sustained that injury in the NFC Championship game. But uh, his recovery, the uh, the Perry High product, his recovery has gone very well. It's five months out from the surgery, and it was considered kind of a six-month ramp-up to get to 100%. He, they, you know, he's been cleared. Uh, they just are having him on a bit, a bit of a pitch count, and so he had two days of, of throwing pretty rigor, rigorously here at the Prairie practice facility. Uh, earlier this week, today is their first practice. They step on the practice field in about an hour, and he will not be out there, uh, but he will practice, at least he's scheduled to practice, Thursday and Friday, and then there's a day off, and then he'll practice uh, two more days and day off. So uh, the plan is for him not to throw three days in a row for at least the cu- first couple of weeks of training camp. They just want to manage his reps, you know, have the pitch count. Uh, you know, they say they're taking it slowly with him, um, but slowly is a lot faster than I think a lot of people had anticipated. Also on Wednesday is revealed that Nick Bosa is away from the team. Uh, the 2022 NFL Defensive Player of the Year is uh, seeking a long-term deal. 
was that surprising? And is there a time between like now and the regular season opener on September the 10th at Pittsburgh when that becomes a big deal if Bosa remains absent? Yeah, I mean, it's a it was a surprise to me only because I didn't know the rule. <laughs> I thought that um, I was under the impression that you know he would be he could be fined, which he can be fined, but that he, those fines cannot be waived. But for players still on their rookie contract, teams do have the options of waiving those fines, and so mm-hmm. that that's where the 49ers are. So he he's away from the facility. He's not getting fined, uh, you know. By all accounts, the team and player are on fine terms. Uh, the 49ers fully expect to make Nick Bosa a very wealthy man. Nick Bosa and his representation fully expect him to be made a very wealthy man. And then it just comes down to crunching the numbers. You know, does he does he become the highest paid edge rusher in the NFL? I think the answer to that is a resounding yes. Um, if you don't consider Aaron Donald an edge rusher. Aaron Donald's making $31.66 million per year. He's also a three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And that contract that uh, I'm sure Bosa's side is working off of was you know some additional years or, or, or basically money for a shorter term uh, to kind of compensate for you know, maybe money that, that Aaron Donald should have been making. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at it. Aaron Donald's contract, which he signed, uh, I think it was, I think it was a year ago, in fact. Um, right. Yeah. It, it really jumped him up over other people, like by a wide, wide margin over other people uh, at his position, or at least on the defensive line. And so, you know, there has to be some kind of meeting of the minds to figure out, you know, is the Aaron Donald contract applicable? Is it the outlier? Um, and, and so that's that's where they are right now. But I don't know that there's any big concern about not having Bosa in here. I guess the concern is that, you know, it continues to drag on. But based on the way the 49ers have approached him in the past, where he does pretty much all of his offseason work, on his own with his own trainers with, you know, just, he, he kind of has his routine and it's worked for him. So the 49ers certainly don't feel like, uh, you know, because they don't see him, there's any concern that, that he'll be ready to go. Now they, they know that from the moment he steps foot in California, he'll be ready to play football. So we've covered obviously two big things already with Purdy and Bosa. So what are some other training camp storylines that uh, we should be paying attention to? Yeah. I mean, I think that for the quarterback position, you know, we can kind of eliminate the storyline of who's going to be the starting quarterback, but it still is going to be very interesting to see what happens behind Brock Purdy with Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. But this is a team with not a whole lot of questions. Uh, you know, maybe on the outside, there would be people looking at the Fernandez offensive line and thinking that that could be an area of concern. And when you look at the team, that probably is the biggest area of concern. But there's not a whole lot of training camp battles going on. You know, basically, every starting position is spoken for. So that's there's really there's not a whole lot of drama here or or really uncertainty. 
uh, I guess there is a little bit of drama when it comes to the, the Bosa contract, but there's not a whole lot of uncertainty about where this team is from a roster standpoint. The, the one thing that they do have to kind of sort out is how they, you know, who's going to step up in that edge rusher position opposite of Bosa. A year ago, they took Drake Jackson in the second round, and he started off pretty well, but really faded, just kind of wore down. So they're expecting him to make a, a big jump and be a contributor. The other thing is, just last month, Debo Samuel said that, that he felt that he was awful last year, and that's his words, uh, awful. He felt like you know, after watching himself on film, he looked sluggish. So he really put himself on blast. And so what kind of shape does he show up in? Uh, I understand he's in very good physical condition. So there's a guy right there that feels like this season he has something to prove because 2022 did not live up to the standard that he had established the previous season. Matt Bayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area, currently in the sports zone. Um, is replacing, you mentioned the offensive line, is replacing Mike McGlinchey the biggest questions individually as far as this offense goes at least? Probably, yeah, because you look at the, the interior guys or our returners from a year ago and a couple young guys, Aaron Banks at left guard and Spencer Burford at right guard. You know, they weren't they weren't exactly lights out, but the idea is that you know last year was kind of the floor for them and they should continue to improve and get better. Uh, the, the one guy that we haven't seen a whole lot of is Colton McKivitz, who steps into right tackle. McGlinchey, as you mentioned, goes on, uh, gets a, a very sizable contract with the Denver Broncos. Obviously, no no concern about Trent Williams at left tackle, but I, I would suppose that you know when you look at the uh, at the offensive line, uh, McKivitz is a guy who probably won't be the kind of run blocker that McGlinchey was, but I think there's a chance that he could be, you know, maybe an improvement in pass protection from McGlinchey. Yeah, clearly, you know, offensively, this is Kyle Shanahan's show here. But he's lost some offensive assistance now the last couple of years. Has that actually changed the method of operation there? It did. I think more last year than it will this year. Last year, uh, there was all kinds of, you know, his, his right-hand man was Mike McDaniel. And losing him was a big blow. And so it meant that basically the run game coordinator and the passing game coordinator were kind of new and, they had 13 different coaches on the staff or 13 coaches in different roles than the previous year. So I think internally uh, there was a struggle to kind of figure out uh, the flow of the week and all that stuff that I, I do think that had an impact on the team early in the season. This year it's not so dramatic. Uh, there's you know one major change offensively, and that Clint Kubiak, uh, who spent some time as an offensive coordinator, with the Vikings and the Broncos, he comes over to fill the role of offensive passing game specialist. But um, yeah, like you mentioned, Bob, this is this is Kyle Shanahan's show. You know, he he wants his offensive coaches to to give him the necessary information to do a lot of the legwork. But you know, he's the one calling the shots. He's the one who has veto power on everything that's put into the game plan. Obviously. And then he's also the guy calling the shots on game day. Meanwhile, the defense uh, lost highly respected coordinator D'Amico Ryans. He went on to become the head coach of the Houston Texans. Former Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes is now the Niners uh, 
defensive coordinator for this season. Does this change the defensive approach at all? I think it does a little bit. You know, where the, the the difference is a lot of times, you know, well, for Steve Wilkes, what what he's had to adjust to is that he comes in with, you know, this is your defense. You know, this is the terminology we use. This is what uh, what, what we do. Um, and he didn't bring any of his staff with him. So it's basically him being integrated into what the 49ers do. And then within that system, it's, you know, there is some flexibility for him to, to call the shots and, and maybe things change things up a little bit. And the one thing that he has said that, that he believes uh, the, the 49ers can do, which would be a change from the past, is just be more aggressive. You know, going after the quarterback, dialing up more blitzes selectively. You know, he, he's got pretty good talent, so he doesn't have to put his defense in compromising positions just to try to get to the quarterback. But he does believe that that there will be opportunities uh, that will present themselves during the course of the season or course of any specific game where they can dial more stuff up and, and send, you know, send a safety blitz, send the corner blitz, send Fred Warner or Dre Greenlaw. So. He believes that uh, the defense can get better, and from the early, you know, from the off-season program, talking to some of those defensive guys, they believe the same thing. So, you know, it was a very good defense last season, and the goal not only is just to tread water and, and be as good, but uh, there's a lot of people here who think that they can be even better, and that Steve Wilkes can bring in some new ideas and new perspective. And then also, of course, they added Javon Hargrave, a pre-agent pickup yes. from the Philadelphia Eagles, a defensive tackle to help him get there as well. In fact, I was going to get to him next. You know, they added him. They're already, needless to say, strong in the defensive front. Uh, what specifically does he add to the Niners' defense, which you know, was first in yards allowed and first in points allowed last season? I think what he brings to the table is you know, I don't know if we want to call him a superstar. Maybe we just call him a star. You know, I think he's he's pretty solidly a top ten defensive tackle in the league. And you know, I think Eric Armstead is kind of borderline top ten, top twelve. But Armstead wasn't healthy much at all last season. But he did play some really good football in the postseason. But I think when you look at that defensive line, you know, in as you mentioned, I mean, it's a pretty good defensive line. And last year, though, if if anyone had asked you, like, you know, what's the strength of the 49ers or you know, how's their defensive line, you probably would have said, oh, it's a really good defensive line. Okay, well, name, you know, name two or three players on that defensive line, and you might have struggled. You might have, you know, you mm-hmm. definitely would have said Armstead, or you definitely would have said Bosa, probably Armstead. But then after those two, it's kind of, you know, I – I don't know if it's uh, you know mediocrity or it's just guys who are playing a limited number of snaps and who are going all out. And so, in a lot of ways, you know that unit was better than the sum of its parts. By bringing in Javon Hargrave, it's somebody that defenses will definitely have to game plan against. And so, he is a legitimate star, and he's a, a difference maker. And so, that's what he brings to the table. Is that. You know, teams will have to make some some decisions on on how you block Bosa, how you account for Armstead and Hargrave when they're on the field because these are two body wise, two completely different styles 
of defensive tackles. So it'll create some issues, I think, for the interiors of offensive lines because you know they're they're so different. So I think just having him bring bringing him to the table, it will he will be able to make plenty of plays on his own, but also he will create a lot of other opportunities for guys around him. Okay, uh, we're talking Niners and previewing the season with Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Area. Robbie Gold is a special place in my heart. And uh, for a while there, my bank account, he won me a fantasy championship on a Monday <laughs> night back in his days with the Bears. So I was so somewhat much sad to see. So much for you being yeah. objective. Yeah, well, I, I am like 90% of the time unless uh, somebody wins or loses me money. So there you go. Uh, so I was kind of sad when he left San Francisco in a way, but they did draft uh, Mike Mosley out of Michigan. Uh, Moody, excuse me, out of Michigan. So uh, how, how would you evaluate the special teams heading into this season? Well, I mean, you know, they, they have uh, created some resources for special teams aces, you know, guys like George Odom and Oren Burks. And so they get pretty good contribution on, out of those non-kicker you know, kicker positions. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski, their punter, starts on NFI. He tweaked his back working out. And I think he's a pretty solid punter and, his net average is pretty good. But, yeah, bringing in Jake Moody from Michigan and drafting him where they did, number 99 overall, you know, that signaled the end of the Robbie Gold era. Uh, he was a very consistent kicker for six seasons here. Uh, most accurate kicker in 49ers history. Never to this point has missed a kick in the postseason. And that means for the 49ers, he was 21 for 21 on field goal attempts and I don't know how many extra points he hit, but he, he never missed one of those either. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to change some things because I contend that when the 49ers got to, say, the 30-yard line, that Kyle Shanahan seemed to play things conservatively offensively because it was almost as if in the back of his mind or maybe even in the front of his mind, okay, we got the three points. Now let's not screw it up and basically take those three points off the board. I just wonder what what will change with Moody. He has a stronger leg, so I would fully expect him to attempt more longer field goals, you know, 55 yards, say. Uh, but maybe on those fourth and ones, at the 30-yard line or the 25-yard line, maybe he doesn't just automatically take the three points. Maybe they try to be a little bit more aggressively. Because the, the past few seasons, I don't know if the 49ers were absolutely last in the league in fourth down attempts, but they were near the bottom of the league. I, I would expect that to change. I would expect them to maybe play, a, play it a little bit more risky or, or roll the dice a little bit more on fourth down than they did previously with Robbie Gold as their kicker. Okay, Matt, East Coast time. The East Coast time zone is going to be a big part of your life here in the next few months. i got five games in yeah. the Eastern time zone. Uh, and the consensus uh, 2023 win total for the Niners is 10 and a half. Uh, so huh, under, okay. over, over, under 10 and a half in 2023. You know, I think when I just did my knee-jerk reaction, right when the schedule came out, I think I went with with 12, 12 wins. So, mm -hmm. uh, or was it 11? No, I think I, I think I went 12. I think I had them going 12 and five. Um, I wonder if that will change. One way or the other, uh, when you talk about the consensus win total, I wonder if that will change uh, after the news yesterday that Brock Purdy is definitely on pace and he's been cleared that's, that's to be the quarterback. Because 
because I, yeah. I do think that you know it, anyone who might have said, "Oh, they're they're they could be a ten win team." I wonder if that person or those people were taking into account kind of the uncertainty at the quarterback position. Like, hey, you know, there's a chance that Trey Lance or Sam Darnold might have to play or might have to start the first two or three or four games of the season. So I, I wonder if that was taken into account. So I, I would, I would certainly, I think at this point, go over on the ten and a half. That sounds fair, and I think your assessment of uh, you know that total being set maybe a little low, the uncertainty of Purdy, I think it would definitely factored into that for sure. All right, yeah. Matt, uh, Cardinals and Niners play in uh, is it September or the first week of October, whatever the fourth game of the season, whenever that is. So I'm sure we'll be checking back uh, that particular week for sure. Always appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, I already have it on my my calendar, uh, December seventeenth, because it'll be our first trip to Arizona in yeah. a while. Because last year we that's, went to Mexico City, that, so uh, that's Bob, right. I, I I hope I didn't mess this up for the other thirty installments of your NFL around the league. <laughs> yeah. um, I just hope I I held my own. I think this just puts the pressure on everybody else. Is what this yeah. does? <laughs> yes. So yeah. you're so you're saying I'm the leader in the clubhouse. You did well. You're one one and zero so far. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. All right. All right. Thanks. Matt Mayoko right, of NBC Sports Barry. Always good to talk to Matt. I mentioned the schedule. Uh, the first four games are at Pittsburgh. Kind of a soft early schedule, I think. At Pittsburgh, at the, uh, at the Rams, home against the Giants, and then home against Arizona. Uh, they have a much you know, the second four games are much more difficult. Dallas at home, uh, at Cleveland, at Minnesota, and then Cincinnati at home, and they do have a brutal four out of five game stretch from November 23rd uh, through uh, December 25th, Christmas Day. So uh, that includes uh, you know Seattle, which is you know the, then the playoff revenge game at Philadelphia and Seattle uh, again. All in that uh, stretch of uh, five games. So, you know, certainly much more difficult for the Niners at the end of the year. All right, the annual Sports Zone Bob Kemp football preview continues, or the Sports Zone Bob Kemp and slash extra point preview continues on uh, Thursday. In this segment with the Cardinals, Howard Balzer of uh, PH, uh, phnx.com scheduled to join us in this segment tomorrow. All right, next segment today, it'll be phone call time, 602-260-1060. And also today's local roundup, that'll include analysis of the Diamondbacks and Cardinals game from last night. Then we'll wrap it up in the sports zone with the with the uh, national roundup and get to some of the baseball from last night. We have a little baseball in the next segment in addition to the Diamondbacks with uh, the Dodgers and the Giants also scoring late victories last night when it looked like uh, one or two. Certainly, the Dodgers. You thought they were going to lose for sure, and they rallied in the in the final inning and were victorious. Uh, we'll have all that in the next segment. 602-260-1060 If you want to jump aboard, your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning, starting at six, exclusively on KDUS AM ten sixty. It's time for today's local roundup. Back 
back to the sports show with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060, KISS Lux HD 2, 100.7. In addition to the uh, local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. All right, topping today's local roundup, the, car, uh, the Cardinals' first training camp practice is actually Thursday afternoon. Uh, the Cardinals had several, they signed several players yesterday, including a six-year NFL veteran offensive lineman, um, uh, you know, somehow deleted his name. The dude from Ohio, Pat Eflin, uh, from Ohio State. Uh, he was the 70th overall pick, third round by the Vikings that particular year. Uh, and, uh, he's he bounced around a little bit, but uh, you know, Cardinals. You never have enough offensive linemen. We say that every year. Then last year, I don't think there was a year in the NFL and with the Cardinals where that was more true in a long time, really long time. Uh, the first practice tomorrow afternoon is from 1.15 to 2.30 at State Farm Stadium in Glendale. Uh, so uh, that practice, uh, first practice is open to the public. All right, on to the Diamondbacks from last night. The five-game losing streak ended. Torrey Lavello pushed the right buttons. Uh, Lavello uh, just really you know, outsmarted the oft-confused Cardinals manager, Ali Marmol. Uh, when pinch hitter Corbin Carroll delivered with a game-winning uh, two-run triple and the Diamondbacks' 3-2 victory against the Cardinals. Meanwhile, uh, Carroll um, you know, he finally got a day off, at least not starting, uh, which that's something that Lavello had promised really since the Cardinals, uh, excuse me, see, the Diamondbacks, I get this right, uh, the Diamondbacks returned after the All-Star break I don't think Carroll was starting to sit that game because of his mental mistake in left field on Monday night, uh, which I think it was that part was all but forgotten in that game Monday night with the bullpen meltdown in the ninth inning. I, I, I do think that Carroll was sitting on Tuesday because the Cardinals started left-hander Steven Matz. And today's the day game after the night game. And today the Cardinals got scheduled starter is uh, – is going to be the inconsistent Jack Flaherty, who's seven and six with a 4.39 earned run average. Also, uh, on uh, with the lead on Tuesday night, Lavello did what he should have done on Monday night, going with Kevin Ginkle to close the game. Ginkle uh, did allow a hit, but uh, you know got a double plate in the game, got his third save in his last three save opportunities. Other than the victory, I think the return of Merrill Kelly was the biggest news. Kelly. Uh, had been on the injured list since June the 24th. He pitched six innings, allowed one run on four hits and two walks. Uh, Kelly uh, was, uh, you know, really, you know, I think that he probably wanted to throw more strikes. He you know, pitch count got up there a little bit. I mean, there was an innings, you know, I'm sure a pitch limit on him coming back for the first time off the injured list for a month. But he was uh, more than good enough. Uh, you know, and this is a team with playoff aspirations that's had, other than Zach Gallen and Kelly, uh, some, they're just seeking any good pitching at this point, whether it be the starters or the bullpen. Meanwhile, the X factor last night was the Diamondbacks defense, which has been really good most of the season, but also is not very good during the 2-8 uh, and eight stretch since the All-Star break. Uh, left fielder Lourdes Gurriel Jr., not exactly the greatest fielder of all time most days, Did, uh, made two impressive plays in left field last night. And Nick Ahmed, not surprisingly, did likewise at shortstop. Uh, statistically speaking, the Diamondbacks uh, 
the uh, actually let's go back to the Cardinals for a second. The Cardinals blew, uh, bullpen blew a lead for the 33rd time this season, including the last two nights. Uh, personnel news: the uh, Diamondbacks to activate Kelly. Uh, the uh, DFA'd struggling relief pitcher Jose Ruiz. Uh, next, next, up next is uh, the afternoon game today. Cardinals and Diamondbacks conclude the series. I mentioned that the uh, Cardinals scheduled to go with Jack Flaherty, Flaherty, who might be making his last start with the Cardinals. He's rumored to be traded. Uh, and he goes against former Cardinal Zach Gallen. Gallen uh, is uh, you know, certainly uh, you know, his last 10 starts. Let's get the narrow down to that. Five and two with a 339 run average. He's unbelievable so far this year at home. Really, even going back to about halfway through last season, he's been unbelievable at home. He's only faced his former team, the Cardinals, one of his former teams, one time. That's when he was pitching for another one of his former teams, uh, Miami. And that was in 2019, so I wouldn't pay any attention to what happened in that game. That's not going to matter what happens today. You know, he's different. He's on. He's been on two teams since, uh, so it's not a. You know, I don't know if it's still a quarter revenge game for him or not. Uh, but I wouldn't pay any attention to. You know, he allowed one run in five innings uh, the last time he faced the Cardinals, which was on June 20th of 2019. So personally, I don't think that makes any difference. All right, quickly, the phone lines. Matt and Phoenix, I'm at. Hey, Bob, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. I'll make it brief. Um, I always do laugh when you talk about the Cardinals and starting pitching and realize that they traded Zach Gallen and Sandy Alcantara. It's always amusing yeah. to me. Um, <laughs> considering they usually make really good trades, uh, yeah, very, uh, very funny. Um, that was pretty ugly for eight innings last night um i can't uh-huh. especially the lack of offense against the great former mets even matt um yeah. uh, you know it's good to have kelly back um but this team's got to right the ship pretty quickly um if they want to continue on the, the postseason pathway so one question i did have for you the other night um is there a reason that um andrew chafin was still in to pitch to paul goldschmidt when he had uh already loaded the bases and Goldschmidt is a guy who historically hammers left-handed pitching not that I heard I mean I thought the whole thing was perplexing I was actually surprised that Chafin was warming up in the eighth inning uh to come in for the ninth uh because you know you know albeit uh you know the last two games that you know obviously Ginkle had pitched he got saves in Atlanta even though that second game was you know pretty shaky save but he yep. got the save, so I was pretty stunned. And Ginkle didn't pitch any of the games against uh, the Reds over the weekend because yeah, they were yeah. never, never, never ahead. Right. Uh, so, yeah. so yeah, I thought that uh, Monday was one of Lavello's most questionable nights. I thought last night was one of his best nights as the Diamondbacks I manager. I would agree with all that. Lastly, would you trade Jordan Lawler, and would he be able to be traded in a deal for Dylan Seek? Uh, yeah, other than the fact that I just don't think Cease is going to be traded uh, at okay. this point. He's got okay. two years left. You know, Jesse Rogers, who understands uh, everything about Chicago baseball, was on uh, the uh, MLB, uh, yep. uh, the Alano Rizzo show, and he said that he doesn't think, uh, he, he pretty much thinks almost anybody's available except for other Luis Robert, Robert and okay. Dylan Cease. Yeah. Is that a trade they potentially revisit? Uh, speaking of the White Sox in the winter, 
Maybe. Um, okay. Yeah, we'll see. They're not very I mean, good. They be, don't have a good farm system. It would also be nice if Lawler did something. Um, yes. I mean, he's stolen some bases. Now I've looked at his numbers. Maybe he just had a. You know, maybe he just batted a thousand last week. Uh, but a week ago, yesterday, he was hitting only 237 at Double A Amarillo. Uh, so I would expect. I, I was surprised that his numbers were that not that bad. I guess. I mean, that's not horrible, but he should be better if he's the number one prospect in your organization and still in the minor leagues. Uh, you would expect to have a guy that has a better batting average than that. Couldn't agree more. Appreciate it as always, Bob. All right, good stuff. Thank you. Dodgers rallied to win last night uh, in the uh, tenth inning. I thought the uh, you know I thought that game was over. Um, you know, it was a uh, pretty. I'm sorry. Yeah, they got they got four runs in the ninth and they won it in the tenth. Uh, so they win last night. Looked like they were going to lose. That's the first. Excuse me. That's the second of a stretch where the Dodgers finally play some home games. They're 16 out of 21 at home now, uh, starting uh, earlier this week against Toronto. They'll conclude that series this afternoon. The Giants uh, looked bad last night. They'd lost six in a row. They rallied and uh, yeah, scored a run in the eighth inning last night, and they beat the A's 2-1 uh, to one in San Francisco. Likely, unless something drastically changes, likely the final Bay Bridge series between the A's and the uh, and the Giants before the A's leave for Las Vegas. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. <laughs> It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1016, KSLUX HD 2100.7. And from the baseball scoreboard last night, the defending World Series champion Astros now within one game of the first place Rangers. Kyle Tarker and Martin Maldonado homered. Uh, rookie starter JP France, he's been really good. Uh, he's really bailed out their rotation with all their injuries. Uh, France worked seven innings. The Astros beat the Rangers last night 4-3. to three. Also, it appears that the uh, Astros, they say this every day, I swear. But you know, Dusty Baker said yesterday that it's, a, it's possible, uh, he might even use the term likely, that Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez will be back today. When they go for the series sweep and number one, and they could you know, they could be tied in the division at the end of today if they win that game. Also, in addition to that, Framber Valdez is on the mound tonight. Or for yeah, it's a night game tonight for uh, for the uh, Astros, who's had a couple shaky starts here lately. Uh, hasn't uh, he had a swing and miss explosion there for a while? He's usually just kind of a you know ground ball specialist. He's a ground ball machine usually. And then he uh, he had uh, some you know high, very high strikeout games in the teens, and uh, now he's just kind of uh, last couple starts he's been hit around a little bit, so he pitches tonight. Uh, Andrew Heaney goes for uh, Texas. Also, Texas has decided to skip All Star starter Nathan Evaldi. Uh, they're officially calling him day to day because of rest. Remember, we told you he's on pace to throw 225 innings this season, and we knew at some point they were going to have to you know, give him a, a blow for a while. 
I didn't think it would take uh, – he must really need some rest if they just sat him out the entire three-game series against their division rival, Texas. Meanwhile, the Reds actually beat the Brewers. Wow, what a concept. Ricky A. Sander Abbott, six scoreless innings last night. Will Benson at a two-run homer. And then the Reds withstood some incredibly highly questionable and, quite frankly, bad managing by David Bell to uh, basically you know, hold off the Brewers in the ninth inning. And they uh, beat the Brewers 4-3 to last night. Today is the final regular season game this season uh, between these teams. Uh, the Reds, uh, before last night, had gone 3-9 and nine against the Brewers. And if you go back to uh, May the 25th, 3-9 and nine against the Brewers and 32-9 and nine against everybody else. Abbott last night faced the Brewers for the fourth time in his 10 career starts. And I mentioned they played a final game in their season series tonight. They've played you know, three series in the last three weeks. Uh, he allowed six runs over four and two-thirds innings in his, uh, back on July the 7th in, uh, in Milwaukee. But uh, since then, he's allowed just two earned runs over 18 innings. The other three games against, uh, against Milwaukee, we'll see how that goes. As I mentioned, uh, the final game of the season series is this afternoon, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Freddie Peralta goes for the Brewers. Ben Lively goes for the Reds in that game today. By the way, after this series, uh, the Brewers go to Boston and the Reds go to Los Angeles to face the Dodgers in a weekend series. All right, that's it for today's Sports Zone. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. The Extra Point hosted by Kayla in the next two hours is up next, so stay tuned for that. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks once again for listening, which I've said before, but I can't stress that enough. Oh,